faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. (laughs) Doug is out of town. He'll be back next week. My name is Paige Severance, and I am a member here at All Souls. I'm glad to be here with you tonight. Y'all know what this is? <laughs> we have a lot of these in our house. <laughs> Fidget spinners. They were all the rage a couple of years ago with my kids and their school age kids and friends. And then came along um, Fidget Cubes, I think. And then we have the latest, Thinking Putty, stuck in our rugs at home. There are over 250 million Google results for tools for anxiety. Among them, if you Googled, you would find tangle toys, worry stones, essential oils, weighted blankets, that's one I want to try, meditation apps, supplements, and even breathing pendants to bring awareness to your breath. I have used a few of these tools myself to manage anxiety. These tools are helpful in keeping us out of that fight, flight, fear response that kicks in when the most primitive part of our brain instinctually detects something that might be a threat to our well-being. This reptilian brain that we have serves us very well, but it can get a little hyperactive at times. And sometimes we might need a tool to distract us, like right now, (laughs) or we might need it to engage our bodies or even reduce the cortisol levels, the stress hormones in our body. But even though these, these help us manage or reduce anxiety, what about the tools that help us find God in our anxiety? Over the last several weeks, we've been learning about how to find God in our anxiety. And I've landed on this definition of what it means to find God in anxiety. If we have the slide, it simply means to awaken, deepen, and sustain the inherent holiness of the present moment. To awaken, deepen and sustain the inherent holiness of the present moment. Tonight we are going to look at specific ways that Paul gives us in Philippians to draw us into the presence of the Holy One when we feel anxious. Paul's letter to the Philippians isn't long, just four short chapters, but it's full of confidence in God's power and his faithfulness when everything seems to be going really wrong for Paul. You see, Paul's been thrown into prison and his situation is pretty dire with the possibility of execution. During Paul's time, life was considered pretty cheap by the Roman Empire and troublemakers were pretty quickly done away with. So while in prison, Paul tells this young church in Philippi 
over and over to rejoice because God works through unlikely circumstances. Paul says while he's in prison that he's full of hope. He's celebrating. He's continually rejoicing. He's content. Paul uses the form, the word joy, the form of the word joy, 16 times in just four chapters, so much so that we call this the epistle of joy. I'll be honest, Paul's joyful optimism sounds a little delusional or euphoric at times, and I want to ask him, really, Paul, are you really being honest with us? He even says in chapter 3, verse 17, watch what I do and copy my behavior. I'm the pattern here. It feels like Paul is calling us to superhuman behavior when he says, be anxious for nothing. If you had asked me in my 20s if I struggled with anxiety, I would have said absolutely no. Then I became a mother. (laughs) And anxiety hit me like a Mack truck. All of a sudden, my reptilian brain went into overdrive to protect my newborn baby. And most of my worries made little sense. And I knew that. But logic doesn't always make a difference when we're overwhelmed with anxiety. My experience with anxiety began as racing thoughts about my baby, Scout, suffocating in her bassinet if I fell asleep. So exhausted in those first weeks of motherhood, I would lay down beside her and just reach over and hold her hand just in case she stopped breathing. And finally, she graduated to her own crib in her own room. And then all of a sudden, I started imagining that a car would come colliding into the front room, the ground level, into her room, even though we lived on a (laughs) cul-de-sac. There was one point in my first year of motherhood that I didn't even know what love for my baby meant or felt like. And that's a really scary place to be. I'll be honest, it's not a good place and it's not easy to say. But I couldn't recognize love because all I could identify was the anxiety inside of me. And that's when I knew I needed to get help. Nearly every feeling of anxiety that I feel now in motherhood can be traced back to one root underlying belief And that is the belief of scarcity. Webster's Dictionary defines scarcity as want for the provisions for the support of life. As mothers, that's our primary goal, right? To support life. And so when you are believing that you don't have enough, enough patience, enough time, enough sleep, enough money, enough help, even enough love, anxiety can quickly overwhelm you. Perhaps you've been overwhelmed with anxiety at some point. Maybe you've had those racing, illogical thoughts that make your heart pound and your hands start to sweat, 
or maybe even behave irrationally. I hope not. It's a terrible feeling. But statistics tell us that at some point, all of us will have felt that or will, will feel that in our lives at some point. We could be begin reading our scripture passage back in verse 5. The phrase, our Lord is very, stands independently at the end of verse 5, before, before verse 6. And you can think of that phrase, our Lord is near, as a phrase connecting two ideas that Paul is holding there. Therefore, we can actually read this as, because our Lord is very near, be anxious for nothing but pray. Do you know that the Lord is very near to you? At all times and all places, God is with you. In Him, we live and move and have our being. Acts 17. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. Psalm 145. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. 1 John 4. God is like a mother or a father who is constantly and intimately involved with the life of their, of their child. Our great and all-powerful God is very, very near to you. He's waiting to meet your needs according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Most of us knowing that having a relationship with the Holy One takes intention and it takes awareness of the Holy One's presence. Remember, we said that finding God in anxiety means to awaken, deepen, and sustain the presence of the Holy One in, our, in, the, in the moment. But how often do we miss the Holy Presence of God because of the muchness and the manyness and the hurriedness of our lives? You see, our minds, they're always way out ahead of us, scanning the horizon, or our minds are behind us, ruminating on the past. Both future, worst-case scenario planning and past rumination, it, that gives us a sense of false control. And, and I want to be clear, it's okay to want to desire to control, but we can't change our past. And all the things that are going to happen in the future probably won't happen. The thing that you're worried about is not going to come to pass. So all we have is the present, and that's where the Lord says He is. He is near to you right here in this present moment. It's hard to be anxious when you're in the present. Have you ever noticed that? But being present doesn't come naturally to us, does it? Unfortunately, it's kind of a thing we have to work at. And being present often requires some form of spiritual practice. Ask yourself, just think about it for a second. What is currently awakening 
and deepening and sustaining the inherent holiness of the present moment right now. If you don't currently have a spiritual practice, I would encourage you to find one, one that is that includes solitude, silence, or stillness. Because when we engage with solitude, silence, or stillness, we discover that the Lord is very near. Slowing down and acknowledging the presence of the Holy One is the first step in finding God in our anxiety. Too often, we grip our anxious thoughts and we race through our day and our muchness and our manyness and our hurriedness of life and it never occurs to us that God is waiting, waiting for us to surrender our concerns. And that brings us to the second way we find God in our anxiety. Pray about every detail of your life. Paul says, pray about every detail. Prayer comes in many forms. We often think of prayer as kind of like this set-aside time where we go to God and we must submit all our requests before the heavenly prayer shop closes. And it's okay to have a set-aside time to pray, but there's also another way that's an open-ended conversation with God. Conversation like we would have with our closest friend Recently, um, one of my closest friends from Alabama invited me to download the Marco Polo app. Do you all know this app? If you don't, it's like a video messaging app where the person can see and hear you, what you're talking about. In the olden days, we had phone conversations. Do you remember those? <laughs> where you would pick up the phone, you'd dial a number, and then they would say hello and goodbye and all the niceties in between. Well, with Marco Polo, you press a button and you just say whatever, what's on your mind. You don't say hello. You don't say goodbye. It's just whatever pops into your head and the other person receives it instantly. That's kind of what I think of when I think of pray without ceasing. It's not a hello and goodbye, God. It's a, oh, I have this to tell you, God, and he's waiting to hear us at any moment throughout the day. A 17th century theologian wrote of what it means to pray about every detail of your life. I think we have this slide. Tell God all that is in your heart. As one unloads one's heart's heart, its pleasure and its pains to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he may sober them. Tell him your longings that he may help you conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved taste for evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere, and how pride disguises you to yourself as to others. When we begin by acknowledging the presence of God, our whole lives can become a prayer. Do you talk to God throughout the day? 
He is near. He is always listening. I would encourage you also to pray about what's underneath your anxiety. God revealing that scarcity is underneath my anxiety has helped immensely because first it revealed what I believe at my core when I have anxious thoughts. And second, it taught me what to pray for. Yes, pray that God would take your immediate concerns and worries away, but also pray that God would reveal the truth of your identity in Christ. Just ask God, what is the root belief here of my anxiety? Where are my anxious thoughts coming from? Maybe you're feeling right now that you're not financially secure or that you're not physically safe or that you're not emotionally protected. Maybe you struggle with feelings of being worthy of love or belonging or receiving good gifts. Whatever your anxiety, take a moment and just reflect on what you're believing, real or perceived, it doesn't matter, that is underneath your anxious thoughts. And then pray humbly and earnestly for your identity in Christ to be revealed and that that truth would permeate every part of your being, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So to review, the first way to find God and anxiety is remembering that the Lord is very near. The second way to find God and anxiety is to tell God all the details of your, of your life, like a good parent would want to hear. And the third and final way that Paul gives us as a way to find God and anxiety is through gratitude. Paul says to be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Before we can understand what gratitude is, we must first understand what gratitude is not. Paul is not telling the Philippians that they should be grateful for injustice or violence or abuse that they were suffering at the hands of the Romans. Gratitude should never be forced or faked and never used to deny abuse or excuse injustice. Those shoulds, you should be grateful, only wound those who have been wounded and empowers perpetrators. Forcing gratitude dismisses and silences those who are already in deep pain. There is no should be grateful. What gratitude is, it's a lot like love in that it's both an emotion and it's a practice or an action. Gratitude is a feeling that naturally wells up within us as a response to a good gift that we receive. But we also know that we can cultivate gratitude, right? We can have practices that increase gratitude in our lives. There's much to be said about the positive effects of gratitude on our lives, but how does gratitude help us 
find God in anxiety? Well, the first way is gratitude is relational. It's about relationships. You see, the wonderful thing about gratitude is that we say we are grateful for something or we are grateful to someone. Have you ever thought about gratitude as fundamentally relational? It's about being with one another, in life together, interdependent on our community and our and nature. Even when alone taking in a mountain view, gratitude connects us to the rhythms of nature and calls us to give thanks to the one who made the mountains. We are in relationship with our environment and with the one who creates our environment. Gratitude defies any subtle or overt belief that we are autonomous, incomplete of our own life, control of our own lives, and unreliant upon anyone except ourselves. So gratitude humbles us, and it widens our perspective to see the gifts that are tucked in the edges of even the most difficult of circumstances. Maybe it's the special attention and care that you receive from a nurse during treatment. Maybe it's the gift of a true friend who would answer your call at any time of night. It's the small group who supports you through the big transitions of life, of having kids and marriage and illness, building a business. It's for our family. It was a month of meals delivered to our door last winter when we took in more children than we knew what to do with. Life throws us some real curveballs, but there is always something for which to be grateful. And when we are aware of all these gifts tucked in the most difficult places of life, that's when gratitude awakens and deepens and sustains the holiness in the present moment. The second way that gratitude relates to finding God and anxiety is that gratitude is the most basic posture of the believer because gratitude is deeply intertwined with grace. The word gratitude and grace come from the same Greek word charis. It's where we get our word eucharist from, which means to give thanks. Grace is a theological word, a word with profound meaning of unmerited favor. You can think of grace as God just indiscriminately passing out gifts to everyone of love and joy and peace, all of these beautiful gifts that we receive. God's gracious gifts are even wrapped up in part of the natural order. We receive these gifts when we witness a sunrise or when we read a well-written novel, or we see a painting, or we smell and hold a newborn baby, or we taste delicious food on our tongue, or we inhale our next breath, that is a gift from God. 
James says that every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything is a gift, and grace reminds us that we can only recognize and receive these gifts. Grace is amazing, and grace begets gratitude. Do you see how these are intertwined? Grace begetting gratitude widens our hearts to greater goodness, greater love, and greater interdependence. Gratitude is the feeling that wells up in our hearts in response to God's good gifts. And God's greatest gift was himself in the form of Jesus, who made it possible for us to know what Paul describes as the wonderful peace that transcends all human understanding. We began tonight by remembering that the Lord is very near. And we end by receiving the peace that transcends human understanding. Will you pray with me now?